Well, I want to, our, our banner scripture is actually a very short one. It's Isaiah 118. If you'll, if you'll turn there, we're gonna, um, pick up this message, which I have entitled Divine Negotiations. <laughs> well, we've all heard messages on divine connections. How many believe there can be divine connections? I tell you, God can hook you up with whoever he needs to, to make his will go and uh, your prayers to be answered. And uh, boy, sometimes he'll send you across the country uh, for for a reason or across the world. Uh, I've I've uh, experienced connections with people that you there is no way that you could have. Make that happen in the flesh. It had to be the Lord. So we understand divine connections, but uh, sometimes we aren't that sharp on divine negotiations, and I found them in the Word. Uh, I was warned as a child uh, that you cannot bargain with God, you cannot negotiate, you know, it's His will or the highway, my way or the highway. And I found out that that's very unscriptural. We have Bible proof of uh, reasoning with the Lord. And so it says here in Isaiah 118, uh, and this is an invitation to negotiate, to have a place at the table. And if you are a child of God, you're an heir of God, join heir with Jesus Christ, you're a part of the executive committee, and you can sit down, amen, and have a discussion God's not going to get mad at you because you're asking questions. He's not going to get mad at you because you're expressing what you would like to see done in your life. Now look, certain things are set in stone. The will of God concerning your salvation, for example. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish. And then how about the will of God concerning a healing? The Bible says that Jesus already bore our sicknesses. And carried our pains by his stripes were healed. Healing is a, an established fact. You don't have to pray and negotiate with God about healing. Healing is yours. It's, 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 it's entitlement again. It comes with the package. And then of course, divine prosperity, the blessings of the Lord. Uh, the Bible says Christ is, we went over this last week. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Uh, and uh, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. So we have the blessings of God, but then there's other things concerning our ministry, concerning our life's purpose. Those things are destinies. Those things are things that we can reason with the Lord about and uh, make some deals, so to speak. And you're not going to offend the Lord because you're, talking about stuff. And I got told again by my Sunday school teachers all the way up, don't, don't mess with God. Don't, to, don't do anything. You know, he's like, he's like very easily ticked off and he'll just slap you down. And, uh, the Bible says something opposite. Like, again, last week we went over some of those scriptures, right? That, he is not easily provoked. He's slow to anger. And uh, why would he get angry at you for talking to him 
and working out things about your life. That's ridiculous. So I want to give you permission today, if you don't know it, I want to give you permission to come uh, now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. He didn't say, come now and I'll read you the edict. He didn't say, come now and I'll tell you what I've decided that you're going to have to eat. He didn't say that. He said, come, let us reason together. The Lord can talk to you about his viewpoint, how he sees things, and you can talk to him about your viewpoint and how you see things. Amen? And you can work out things together and come to an amiable decision. And he says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In other words, there's a good deal of grace and righteousness underneath this. Amen. He's not seeing you coming to him as some horrible sinner that uh, is just begging and, you know, and kissing the, I've, I, you know, we appreciate people of all faith, but I've been in some places where the humility thing is a little overkill. I mean, the kissing the floor all the way up to the thing, you know, surely with COVID that maybe they've ended some of that. But, um, you know, it's like, oh, look at the humility, but, but it's, it's too much. It's, it's, it's like some sort of self abasement thing. Um, I'll tell you what, you get in some countries where some of that happens. I've seen special days where people had whips and they're beating their own backs until they're bleeding. And that kind of thing. And that is not right. Jesus bore the stripes on his back so that we wouldn't have to. It wasn't to show us how to do it. That's crazy. But, um, you know, again, folks are... I'm not saying the people that do that, there's something wrong with them or evil. This is what they've been taught. They're really trying to please the Lord. But it's it's not... there's It's not a New Testament scriptural thing. Amen? Uh so anyway, you can see here we're invited. This is our key scripture. A come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. He's inviting us to the negotiation table. Amen. Um, and we're going to look at some scriptures where this happened. If you, um, if you will please turn to Genesis. Got a lot of scriptures today, but we'll go through them pretty quick. Uh, just the story, Genesis 18. Now, if we, if we did this subject, proper, you know, time, We'd, it's about a four-hour thing, <laughs> no worries, it's like watching Gone with the Wind, with the, uh, with the um, intermission, um, Genesis 18, um, you know, we have the story of, um, uh, uh, of the sin of Sodom and Sodom and Gomorrah, remember God had sent down, he says he's going to send down some angels, some spies to report back and, 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 and see what, you, you know, was going to, to, to be. And, uh, uh, if you look at, at verse 17, we'll start there. Genesis 18, 17, the Lord said, I'm going to, I'm going to punish these people for their sins and for their, you know, their debauchery. Uh, but, but 
I want you to see this. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Again, this is pointing towards Christ. Because again, if you look at Galatians, he says that the seed that he's talking about here is Christ. Amen. But Abraham has to stay and his family intact because of the lineage has to go through to Christ. And it says, for I know him. Now, this is really cool that God says that I know him. Isn't that don't you want the Lord to say that about you? I know him. I know her. And I know what she's going to do. I know what he's going to do. I know they'll do my will. I'll know that I know they'll uphold righteousness and holiness. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. In other words, his divine destiny. And um, the the Lord said, uh, you know, all this that he was going to do concerning um, Sodom and Gomorrah. He's going to execute judgment. Well, see, if the Lord is this hard-nosed, can't-be-talked-into-or-out-of-anything, rigid, ironclad will, then why would he say, I better talk to Abraham first? Now, folks, if, if, if this is under the old, old covenant, it's really the old covenant. It's the Abrahamic covenant. It's pre, I'm not talking about Moses' law. I'm talking about the Abrahamic covenant. We're talking way back here. We are in the book of Genesis. You know, it's a, you, if you go before that, you're into the index, okay? So this is post index, but for the declaration by King James. Uh, if you want Old English, read that. Um, but you'll see here that he's not this image, even in the Old Covenant, he is not this image of this, of this uh, uh, again, dictator, my will, my way or the highway, I cannot be reasoned with. In fact, how dare thee approach me? You know, he's not the Wizard of Oz with the smoke coming out of the head, you know, and please don't pay pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You know, this is not who God is. Aren't you glad to know that? Aren't you glad to know that God's not this horrible dictator, um, dogmatic, can't be reasoned with monster? That is not who Father God is. He says, I know Abraham, and it would be wrong for me to just run over him willy-nilly. I'm going to discuss this with him. Is this a beautiful thing? Folks, I'm trying to get you to see the nature and character of your father God. And he says that, you know, all this that he was going to do, and... uh He told Abraham about it, and Abraham drew near. I love that. See, not run away, not hide, but draw near. 
when God's inviting us to negotiate with Him, when He's inviting us to reason with Him, we, He's inviting us to draw near. Never know. You need to stand back. I was in a church once, charismatic church that they, uh, had built this, they had gotten a little too deep into the Old Testament. I don't know, they lost their New Testament. You know, the Gideons will give you one. It doesn't cost anything to get one. But apparently they lost their New Testament. And they were really into, you know, the worship pattern of the Old of the old Covenant. They were into, you know, I mean, they had every kind of thing going, you can imagine. Uh, blowing the shofar and, you know, and if you do that, fine, but please do it right. Don't sound like a cow that's dying at the gate. You know, I mean, you know, Phil Driscoll, he can play the shofar, make it sound like a trumpet. But some churches, they, they've gone one trip too many to Israel, brought back a shofar and they're blowing and it sounds like a cow that's just died. You know. That's supposed to be the call to worship. Uh, if that's your thing, God bless you. But, you know, we don't do that here. But anyway, I'd rather hear the chime on the organ or something. I don't know. And a, a better way to do it. But, uh, suppose if you knew what you were doing, it could be, it could be nice. But, you know, nowhere in the New Testament are we instructed to learn how to worship Old Covenant style and do it. First of all, their relationship with God was a little different. And, um, then ours. And so, you know, there was all this ritual that, you know, I mean, we could teach on it sometime if you want to know, but you could get a book, you could Google it, but there was all this ritual, you know, you had to start at the outer court and you went through all this cleansing and, uh, washings and rituals. And then you go to the, the middle court and the, uh, the, finally the, the, you know, your, your, the inner court and the tennis court and the swash court and the supreme court and, you know. Well, you know, they had all these levels. This church had all these levels. Well, here I am. You know, I've got a trailer on the back of my car with a Hammond B3 in there. And I'm going to bring it in with the Leslie's and, you know, just blast them out into the parking lot. And... um I don't know, the more that, the more that I would encounter this weirdness, the more Pentecostal I suddenly became. You know, and I'm singing, I know it was the blood, you know, and <laughs> just pounding it out. Well, that, and you don't get invited back to those places when you do that, because, you know, they wanna, uh, they wanna do it their way. Anyway, they had all, all this, all this rigmarole that you had to go through, thinking they're following the word, you know, to to approach God. Because if you approach him wrong, he won't bless that day. He won't pour out his blessings. You won't have any manifestation. This was the teaching. And uh, I have anybody ever heard stuff like that? You know, you got to go through all this stuff and wear stuff on your head and, uh, you know, and I don't, count beads. I don't know. Um, it'd be my luck to get the the... To get my prayer shawl caught in the door or something, and I, I, you know, I don't know. It's just too much. Well, I don't mean to be unkind, but like I've said, if a yarmulke and a prayer, you know, scarf 
helps you. I mean, you know, once you try a sombrero and a poncho the next day. I mean, you know, it's really just a cultural study. It doesn't have anything to do with the New Testament. Paul never went through all that. And, um, and, uh, so anyway, I didn't mean to get into that, but what I'm focused on is this, 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 uh, word about Abraham drawing near and the original uh, scripture that we read about being invited to, to really draw near. He says, come, let us reason. You have to draw close together. You're going to at least sit at the same table. This is old covenant God. And there's not a, really, there's not an old covenant God and new covenant God. He's the same. He never, never changes. Is this helping you? What I'm trying to say is you don't have to go through the washings and cleansings and repentances and all this to get to God. You're in Christ. We are in Christ, seated together with Him in heavenly places in in Christ. Our life is wrapped and hid in Him. We're not like the old covenant worshipers that are coming and have to go through all the rigmarole to get to the Holy of Holies. And even then you're banned unless you're the high priest. But praise God, we're in Christ who is the last of, of that. He is He is our mediator. He is the um the price exacted for our sins. Amen. The um the the propitiation, which means the price that was charged. And so did he pay it or not? Did he leave a little so it accrue interest and fees and penalties? No, he paid it all. Well, praise God, preach, Pastor. I'm getting stirred up here. Um, if we can just keep our... See, you got to be careful about jumping on bandwagons. You know, somebody comes along and, like I said, they've been to one Holy Land tour too many, and they come back and they're not, they're not careful, they'll want to Judaize the church. And... uh you know, and, and you have to keep all these festivals and dates and everything straight. And, um, you know, I was in one meeting one time and the uh, person said, we're not going to have the book table open on Sunday during the conference because we want to honor the Jews and keep the Sabbath. And I'm thinking, well, one thing, you're not on the Sabbath. You have to start Friday night. Well, there's the whole conference. You got to go Friday night through Saturday night. You're not going to sell anything. And um, and all this, and it was like, please, just stop with all that. We're not we're not Jews. We're believers. We're Christians. We're not completed Jews. We didn't have to go become a Jew to become a Christian. <laughs> Christ died for the whole world, and so that the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentiles. Amen. So just, you know, just give it a rest. If you're Jewish and that's your culture and your tradition, um, great. Do your thing. But, you know, we don't have to try to become a synagogue to then become a church. That's just not, that's crazy. And so, at any rate, didn't mean to get into that, but it's kind of fun. Gratuitous slaps here and there. Uh I love it, though, that it says Abraham drew near. And again, that's right in line with uh, uh, come, you know, let us reason. 
Come, let us reason together. And so uh, he drew near and he said to the Lord, this is kind of accusatory a little bit. Notice he didn't get zapped with electric bolts, lightning, nothing, no judgment came. He talked to God uh, like he would to anyone else. He said, Abraham drew near and he said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Are you going to do the right thing here or just collateral damage and you don't care? Um Peradventure, there be fifty righteous within this. He said, "For ex- just, just peradventure, or what if there are fifty righteous within the city? Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee." Shall not the judge, look at this question to God, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Wow, that's pretty bold, isn't it? And the Lord said, I'm angry at thee, thou art going to be poofed into a, you know, there was a grease spot there, and now there's a gift shop where the last Abraham was seen. The Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which I am but dust and ashes. (laughs) Peradventure there shall lack, you know, uh, five of the 50 righteous. Well, he goes on and on. All the way down to 10. And he said, uh, finally 20, and then he finally says in the verse 34, I'm, I'm sorry, 32, he says, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. Now this is the negotiation going on here. God's saying, I'm going to judge something, because this is bad. And he says, well, what if there's ten righteous in a city of who knows how many thousands? And he says, uh, I will not destroy it for even ten's sake. Uh, Brother Hagen, in teaching on this, he said one time, I think if he would have said, well, what if it's just for Lot and his bunch, that he would have said, okay. But he stopped there. The Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. Notice it says the Lord was communing with him. That means they were one together. They were, they were head to head negotiating. It was not an argument. It was not a debate. It was not a fight, but it was a negotiation. Praise God. And Abraham returned unto his place. Of course, we know the rest is history. Uh, they couldn't even find ten. So Lot and his bunch left, and then his wife turned into a pillar of salt. Um, that was a bad day for her. All right. It's a bad day when you turn into a pillar of salt. Uh, numbers 14. 
Let's look at verse 11. Again, this is Moses, the same thing. You know, Moses is with the children of Israel, and, you know, they've sent out spies. Remember, Joshua and Caleb led the group, sent out spies to see what kind of land the promised land was, and they came back and said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a beautiful place. It's wonderful. Let's, the Lord said, we can take it. Let's take it. But the other folks said, we can't. There's Anax there. Remember that? Children of Anax. How know, how many know if you got bad folks, their children are always worse? You know, you know, somebody's going to come visit you and they're, they're a little on the rough on, around the edges. But then if they got kids, it makes it worse. Are they bringing those kids? You know, they're going to tear the house down. But so they said, not only, not only are there Anax, but there's children of Anax. Oh my, they're the worst. Um, and, uh, so, so we've all experienced visitations like that. Amen. But, uh, they said, and we are grasshopper that, you know, we feel that we are grasshoppers and we know that in their eyes, they're grasshoppers. Well, they don't know that, but that's what they've imagined. And so they're, they are, they're talking of stoning and they're, I mean, they are just, they have lost their ever loving minds over the fear has just gripped them. You, I mean, we, you know, we, we've, we traveled a few little trips here and there and we were just on one, uh, this week and flying. And I'll tell you what, I can't tell you how palpable the fear is out there with people. They're just, you can just cut it with a knife, you know. And I'm thinking, I think if I was that afraid, I'd just stay home. Because, you know, I mean, they're just like, just scared to death of everybody and everything. It's just nuts. It's it's overkill. But uh whatever, do your thing. I don't care. But I'm just telling you, um, this is... This is where they were. They were, they were so afraid. And the Lord was just really, um, you know, angry about their fear and their complaining and their murmuring. And, uh, they, they bade stone, stone them with stones. Uh, the glory, it says in, in verse 10, the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. Can you imagine that? The glory of the Lord is showing up and they're still afraid. And they still speak against the Lord's will. And the Lord said unto Moses, I love this, how long will these people provoke me? (laughs) How long... Look at his anger. It's not because they're having mass orgies and, uh, you know, worshiping golden calves and those things, which they're prone to do, apparently, back in the day. But um, it says, he's mad at them for their murmuring, complaining, and fear. Wow, that's that's. there's a message right there, isn't there? How long will it be before they believe me? And here he is showing his glory and the light and the whatever that looks like, you know. We only can see a description in the word, but don't really know what that looks like in the way that they saw it from the heavens, you know. Knock all the priests down. Praise the Lord. 
uh, we've been in meetings where um, nearly the whole place got thrown on the floor from the glory of God. It can be so strong that you can't even stand in, in His presence. Well, this is what they're experiencing, and they're still holding on to their fear. He says, how long will it be before they believe me for all the signs which I have shown among them? And so God's mad here. He's had it with these folks. He says, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. <laughs> and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really do something here. Moses said unto the Lord, Again, the negotiating table is opened. Well, I mean, why did God say this to Moses? Why didn't he just do it? Why did he feel the need to talk to Moses about it? Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear it, for thou broughtest up these people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that thou, Lord, art among his people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thou should standeth ever them, and thou goest before them by day, thine in a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if thou shalt kill all these people... <laughs> As one man, then the nations will have heard the fame of thee, will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land, which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. Now I beseech thee, let thy power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering. He's reminding him. Of, of, of his, kind of his good side in that sense. The Lord, not that he's got a bad side, I'm just saying he's, he's trying to temper this temper and this anger with something else. He says, the Lord is long suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father upon the children and unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee the iniquity of these people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as those have forgiven their, these people from Egypt even until now. And what did the Lord say? Oh, I'm mad. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to enjoy it. And if you don't shut up, you're next. Is that what it says? What did the Lord say? I have pardoned according to thy word. Isn't that something? The Bible says that they did not enter in, not because God blocked them. I got taught that in Sunday school. God punished them. He wouldn't let them in. The Bible tells us clearly, Paul explains it. He says they didn't go in because they couldn't enter into rest. They never could get, they never could cross in because of their lack of faith and their lack of rest. Isn't that something? We blame God for that one too. I had Sunday school teachers. They meant well, but their hair was so tight in a knot it caught off oxygen to their brain, so they weren't 
you know, they weren't like fully oxygenated talking apparently. The Lord said, I have pardoned. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? I have pardoned, not according to my word, but according to thy word. Glory to God. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I'm just going to reference uh, two more here just to save time. We don't have to turn there. But, you know, in Job 13, um, verse 15... Job's talking there. You've heard me teach on this here in this church uh, where Job said, though he slay me, still I'll serve him because he's he's at the negotiating table. He's talking to God about all his trials, his troubles, his failures, that uh, financial failures and all that of crop failures. He's got boils. I mean, this man's in trouble. His wife's turned on God and she doesn't trust him anymore. She said, once you just curse God and die, you know, you're just apparently a mess. He's got his three, uh, Bible school graduate, uh, uh, you know, encouragers trying to help him find where he's opened the door to the devil. Uh, and uh, he finally told them, you all are worse than me. Why, why are you judging me? He ran off those, the Job's comforters. And so he finally has this in, in chapter 13, he finally has this great Day where he says, I'm going to say what I have to say to God. I don't care what. That's what that means. Though he slay me, still I'll serve him. That's not how, that's not really how it should read. If you look at other translations, he'll, he'll say, um, if it kills me or if God kills me, it's more of a figure of speech. It's almost like when you're telling somebody what for. And you say, if it kills me, I'm going to tell you what I have to say. Well, that's really what he meant there. It was more of a figure of speech than, though he slay me, and I don't understand, still I'll serve him. Well, that sounds very humble, but that's not really what he said. He said, even if you kill me, I'm going to tell you what I have. What has he got to lose? He's almost dead anyway. He says, uh, even though if it kills me, I'm going to tell you what I have to say. And then finally, in verse 19, he adds to that by saying, "If I this is in the King James, if I hold my tongue, I shall give up the ghost. In other words, if I don't say what I have on my heart to say, I'm going to die anyway. Isn't that something? God didn't kill him, did he? God didn't slay him. God didn't smash him like a bug. In fact, God delivered him and uh, gave him twice as much as he had ever had before. Praise God, he was a wealthier man after the trial than before it. And more blessed. And then finally, you know, in Matthew, let's look at this real quick. We need to have a New Testament example of this. Is this helping you today? It's not exactly a shout and run up the aisle message. But um, it's it's something we need to to do. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you all to get to the negotiating table with Father God if, uh, about your life and ministry. Amen. Matthew fifteen and verse twenty one. Um, we'll read this quickly. Then Jesus went thence and departed unto the coast of Tyre and Sidon. 
Behold, a woman of, of, of Canaan came, now she doesn't have a covenant with God. She's, she's not a part of, of the covenant crowd. She came out of the same coast and cried unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Uh, every, everybody, every, every mother that's raised a teenage daughter has prayed this prayer. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help. But, <laughs> oh, that's, that's wrong. But he answered her, not a word. <laughs> and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Well, that's a nice group. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. He still... <laughs> It was tough this day. He answered and said, It is not meat or kosher, acceptable, to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. He just called her a dog. And she said, this is where she negotiated the deal with the Lord. She said, Truth, Lord, meaning I'm a dog when it comes to covenant. I don't have a covenant. She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Wow, what a smart woman. She knew that she, uh, she said, okay, call me a dog, I'll claim dog rights. Now the dog, unless you're just mean, the dog, anything that's, that's on, that comes off the table onto the floor is fair game for the dog. And, uh, it would be mean and, and rude to, 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 not let the dog have the crumb. The dog knows the crumbs are his. And so it says, even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In other words, I just need a crumb of a blessing, and I'll take that. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, if she got her deliverance for her daughter with no covenant and with a crumb from the master's table, how much more should we claim the blessing of God when we've got a seat at the table? We are in the family. We have a seat and the food belongs to us. Because the Father has prepared it and placed it there. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Woo! That Now that one, you might run the aisle. Thank you, Jesus. If she can get that deliverance from a crumb, what should we be getting from passing all the good things that are on the table? But I want you to see that she, even though she didn't even have a covenant with God, she negotiated what she needed. Amen.
So I want to encourage you today. I hope that was uh, something that you can use. <sighs> Praise the Lord. I want to encourage you today to to get, you know, whatever it is, make some notes or whatever about your life, about your situation. Make some notes and and uh, first when you go in, you know, it's like if you've ever sat down at a negotiating table on a piece of real estate or whatever, you're going to negotiate a price, you're going to make an offer. You have to do a little research. You find out what belongs to you. Find out what, 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 what's the right? What's the value of this? And what are your rights as a buyer? Or if you're selling, what are your rights as a seller? And you find these things out and you sit down and you negotiate a deal. And so it's the same with God. Hallelujah. Like Brother Hagin used to say, because that's what that woman did there. He said, argue your case like an attorney, like a lawyer. What is, why is a lawyer helpful? Well, because they know what, supposedly what your rights are. They can see loopholes. They can see <laughs> chinks in the armor, as they say, <laughs> and, uh, able to, to help you negotiate a deal. That's in a perfect world, not in the real world, but, uh, it's the way it's supposed to work. Depends on if the other person's lawyer's meaner. <laughs> But if you really want to win a case, get the meanest one you can find, and the pit bull is the one you want. Praise the Lord. But anyway, I was just saying that about God. You know, we spiritualize everything. We make it so, you know, weird and touchy-feely, but it doesn't have to be like that. You can just count yourself. This is just just what I did, did a few years ago, many years ago. Count yourself. As what God says you are. All right, Lord, you said I'm righteous, then I am. You said I'm forgiven, then I accept that. You said I'm holy, then even though I know myself and my own wretchedness in some ways, if you say I'm holy, I'm holy. If you say I'm blessed, I'm blessed. If you say I'm an heir, I'm an heir. If you say I'm a joint heir, I'm a joint heir. If you say I'm a partaker of the divine nature, then I'm going to accept that. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to goosebump it. I don't have to ooh and ah. I can just accept it, praise the Lord. If the oohs and the ahs and the goosebumps come, great. If they don't come, fine. It doesn't matter to me. Hallelujah. I'm taking God at His word. I'm holding His own words up to Him. In fact, I've taken the Bible. <laughs> One place I lived had some skylights, and I would take the Bible, <laughs> hold it up to, to the skylight, and I'd say, Lord, read it. Praise God. Read what you wrote. Read what you said to me. And then I've taken the Bible, put it on the floor, not disrespectfully or in any way, but just as a foundation, and I've actually literally put it down on the floor and got up on it and stood on it and said, Lord, I stand on your word. I stand, I'm standing on the word. There's nothing in that I can see that makes it look like it's going to happen. But I'm standing on your word. I put your word above the circumstances. I put your word over what the doctor said. I put your word over what I feel. I put your word over what the attorney said or what the accountant said or anybody else. Hallelujah. Or what Sister Ledbetter didn't get. I'm not going to stand on that. I'm standing on what the Word says. Amen. And I'll tell you, if you'll, if you'll approach it like that, God, God will always honor His Word. He, he said, I'm not a man, He's not a man that He should lie. 
Then I say, let God be true and every man a liar, including myself. <laughs> I'd rather call me a liar than God. Hallelujah. Did that help you today? So be like that woman with the demon-possessed daughter. <laughs> Speak the word and uh, defend yourself and be like uh, Abraham and you know, Brother Hagin, just one real quick story. Brother Hagin said to uh, the Lord, his mother had gotten, she was in her 70s, and she had come down with some some problems. She had some, he'll tell you, I mean, publicly, she had some mental illness issues and and some other things, and her life had been rough um, and 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 never really as blessed as it could have been. Brother Hagin's ministry finally got to the place, you know, that he said, you know, he could help her out a little bit. He wanted her to experience life on the planet and it not just be a hard old way every day. And so he's praying about his mother's healing. He told the Lord, he said, uh, I want you to heal my mother. I, I don't know if she's got the faith to believe to be healed, but I'm going to believe for her. I want you to do it as a favor to me. And the Lord said, well, really, now this is what the Lord said to Brother Hagin, really it'd be better for her if you just let her come on now, because she's going to have some problems down the line. And he says, uh, why don't you just let her, why don't you just kiss her goodbye and let her come on? Brother Hagin said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then if you don't do this for me, I'm going to remind you of it. He says, I do everything you ask me to do. And if you don't do it for me, I'm going to remind you of it every day in heaven for eternity. That's what he told the Lord. And, uh, and, uh, the Lord said, all right. He says, I'll give her another, another 10 years. I'll do whatever you say about it. That's what we just read. I'll do, do whatever you say. The Lord did what Moses said. The Lord did what Abraham said. What do you say? So, uh, she, he said, uh, he told the Lord, he says, I'm finally at the place where I could get my mother a, a, a nice home to live in, some new clothes, little travel, you know, bless her with some things of life that she had never had. And he said, I want her to experience that and let, give me the pleasure of being a blessing to my mother. She, she was such a help to me, uh, in a hard time in her life. And so the Lord said, all right. And he said, but at the end of 10 years, I'm going to bring her home. And he says, don't act, don't even ask me to, to do anything about it. Well, he said, okay. Well, 10 years goes by. Brother Hagen got to do what he wanted to do. His mother began to deteriorate at age 80. And, uh, he said he went to the Lord to, to pray for her healing. And the Lord said, don't even, don't even go there. A deal's a deal. Hallelujah. Well, you could argue, well, healing belonged to her and all that. I know, but you know, the Lord, it was the deal they made. If you don't like it, go talk to, go to heaven and talk to Brother Hagen and the Lord about it and say you don't like the story. But, uh, I think it's a great story in the sense that Brother Hagen negotiated something with the Lord. Amen? Amen? And so you can do that. If you've got a situation you don't like, why don't you go negotiate a better deal? Amen? Get a better deal than what you've got. Sometimes we need a better deal, don't we? Praise the Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's lift our hands and praise him. That's enough preaching to last a week, ain't it? Praise God. Father, we praise you. We thank you for the word. We thank you for this instruction and uh, showing us how to do and be in the kingdom. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen.